Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of Pod by the Bay, proudly presented by the Bay Area Examiner. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Joining alongside me, as always, Seth Marnador, Robert Steeg. Boys, your South Florida Bulls are 5-5 five and five with two weeks left in the season after knocking off Temple 27-24 over the weekend. It was... Fun at times, nerve-wracking at times, uh, downright frustrating uh, for the majority of the second half. But a win's a win. Uh, if anybody saw Dan Campbell's post-game speech after the Lions beat the Chargers, don't let anybody make you feel bad about a win. And by golly, we're not gonna we're gonna do our best not to do that. No, and, and it was – oh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I was going to say, we can go in my reality of things. Um, I uh, I left for Disney at the end of the first quarter. So, like – and then I got stuck in the worst uh, – obviously the worst before track of all, uh, of all time. And so uh, when we finally got to Epcot, there was, like, two minutes left in the game. <laughs> so, in my mind – Everything ended up being great because uh, first we won. quarter was great. The first quarter was great, and then we won. So, like everything else that happened in between, like rewatching the highlights, I was like, "Oh, we scored a defensive touchdown. Oh, <laughs> things were good for a little. We got three interceptions. Holy crap! Like, what's going on?" So, we'll go in my my point of view on this. Uh, first quarter, great. Uh, last two minutes, fantastic. You missed a lot of butthole puckering. <laughs> <laughs> because it, after, it looked like it was, I mean, Nathan and I were talking, you know, after the first quarter, I'm, they get in the ball or uh, USF has the ball, the chance to go at 24. And I'm like, man, you picked them by 24. What a call. Because it looked like Temple had nothing for them. And mm-hmm. then they started screwing around a little bit on offense. The defense played one of their best games of the year, probably. Um just in terms of being able to generate turnovers and hold a pretty decent offense in check at times. They helped you out a little bit there, but yeah, the offense was kind of screwing around and you're like, man, are they going to screw around and lose this game and basically miss out on a bowl when they're up 17 points on a terrible temple team. So it, it got, uh, <laughs> you, you, you had, you picked the perfect timing for your trip because it got tight in there for a while. And if you were in the discord, it was, you know, rather tight in there as it usually is during a game thread. So yeah. So here's here's where I know the game changed. All right. Uh you get the pick six by Tremo Logan. Just great job by him. The very next possession, EJ Warner's picked off again by Maris Brown, who absolutely high points the crap out of the ball. It was full body extension, very impressive interception. And then I think at this point, USF head coach Alex Golish, offensive coordinator Joel Gordon, and the rest of the team thought, all right, we've got them. Let's now have some fun. Mind you, the score is 27-10. Temple had not done much of anything. So you bring in Izzy Carter, gets absolutely plastered six yards behind the line of scrimmage uh, on second down. Uh, you toss it to Izzy Carter for a uh, trick play. 
uh, passing attempt to Byron Brown. Great incompletion. Wasn't there. Threw it out of bounds. Great job. I just want to say I, I called that two week, three weeks ago, but it's, you know. But... <laughs> they, they listen. Third down, Byron Brown fumbles. Derek Bowman falls on it. Now you're punting. You lost 16 yards. And then it just it disintegrated. Uh, two, basically two straight uh, scoring drives for Temple. Got them back into the game. I uh, Probably the most important thing was Temple missed the extra point. And that changed the outcome of the game. And then finally, USF puts together a competent drive in the second half, which they were sorely, sorely missing for the entirety of the second half. And if you go back to last week, the offense, you know, what put up 50 points at Memphis, uh, you know, right before the bye week, that second half, that late third quarter, fourth quarter at UConn, very competent offensively. And then you, put that up against what this offense did slash did not do against this very bad temple defense. You're like, what the, what the hell, what happened? Well, I mean, they were bad, bad, bad in the red zone. uh, Right. And then they were, what ended up being three field goals missed? Uh, Two, I believe. Yeah, two. Cannon went two for four. Yeah, so you left a lot of points on the board. Um, And and so that's why it felt, uh, yeah, red zone success rate for USF was 24%, which is good for 18th percentile. Uh, Not great. Um, So it really started to feel like, man, you just totally screwed around and, you know, maybe gave this one away, but they're able to, Finish it off, and which was uh, big, big, long third down conversion uh, when it was really needed. But you know, you just felt like you left a lot of points on the board, and <clears throat> it was like if, if this is the one you lose, and takes you basically out of bowl contention. That would have been really bad. I thought it because I thought a lot of it was like how the game was managed, not not just like oh yeah, you missed a couple of field goals, but. I thought the game was not managed very well. They got a little cute. I thought they could have ran the ball a lot more. They were really successful running the ball. Um, so this would have been one where it's like, yeah, first-year head coach kind of screwed it up a little bit in the management of the game. And that would have been a tough pill to swallow because they've been pretty good at all that stuff throughout the year. Uh, but they pulled it off, so a win's a win. They all count the same. You move cl- one step closer to a bowl game, and and you had a good performance from your defense, which if, you know, we said before the game that you're going to win and the defense is going to cause four turnovers and you win by four, you'd be like, all right, cool, whatever, that's fine. I'll take it. Uh, it was not not the way I think many imagined it. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm just glad I didn't bet on the game because I would have been going really insane if I did because it was – Temple was very bad. And USF kind yes. of played with its food to make – to allow the temple to cover. So yeah. I would have been very but upset. Hey, the- that USF minus seven and a half first quarter spread cashed very easily for your yes. boy. Um, that was that was one of my locks of the week. Uh, USF minus seven and a half first quarter against Temple. Uh, glad that hit. That was that was fun to 
to cheer about in the press box. Um, another thing to cheer about is uh, Sean Atkins is now your single season all-time receptions leader after his nine-catch, 169-yard performance. Um, if you had Sean Atkins breaking the record on your bingo card, you're lying. <laughs> you're just you're a liar. You're a liar who lies. Uh, it's been really impressive. I think we said. I think I said it last week. Like he's just good now. Like there's no there's no caveats to it. The guy's just good. Sure, he may run a five six forty, but he's still <laughs> really good and can get open. And he is the reliable guy for a redshirt freshman quarterback who's still going through the growing pains of being a quarterback at the college level. Uh, so shout out to Sean Atkins. And he is dangerously close to being the first 1,000-yard receiver in program history. But he's got, I believe it's 808 or 809. 808. 808. The school record is 922. He's got, at minimum, two games left. At max, three. He'll fall down into a thousand yards at this point, um, and this is on top of set some brutal drops. He could have had easily <laughs> two hundred yards. Yeah, he had game. he had at least two drops that were pretty bad. Um, so that's because we, we kept saying, "Man, he could have had the record already." Uh, a couple, a couple. There was a there's some drops going around. There was a little bit of that going around, but. Um, just kind of looking through his stats, it's kind of it's it's funny, you know. Um, he's played he's played ten games this year, sixty nine receptions, eight hundred eight yards. Played eleven games last year, had nineteen receptions for two hundred thirty eight yards. Played eleven games in twenty twenty one, had six receptions for sixty seven yards. So right now for his career, he's got eleven hundred and forty yards. So it's going to be very uh, it's going to be not funny, but interesting that. He'll he if he gets to that thousand, he'll have like thirteen hundred career receiving yards, and a thousand of them will be in this one year. So, yeah, it's all it's uh it's good to see. Um, and I think one of the other schools you mentioned and you, or you kind of looked at previously is was getting close. I think to maybe also having another thousand yard receiver. Uh, the Texas, Texas State, Texas State, and uh, not Charlotte. Maybe Charlotte, Georgia State. Mm. I think it was the states or Southern. One of the. It's still in my car. I don't. I could be Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, probably. Probably. Yeah. Because I believe our our friend Travis Trickett had a thousand yard receiver at Georgia State. So that makes friend sense. Friend of the blog, Travis. <laughs> Does he know that he's pulling? Uh, he, I mean, his wife. His he, wife was was a fan of the the. The uh, Travis Travis trick it down the field, I go right. She loved that. Yeah, uh, the uh, wait, uh, looking at it wrong. Um, uh, yeah, Georgia Southern has a guy that's at uh, just a hair under eight hundred yards, eighty receptions this year. My God, they're throwing it around now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Texas State, obviously, uh, JG Kenny. He, he talked about throwing the ball around. He, he he's going to sling that thing. I think it's uh, around a few times. Uh, so I want 
in my mind on Saturday, I was kind of thinking about, all right, sure, this is all well and good, but in the context of like how the offense is, is it is he just is he a you know good stats bad team kind of guy like in the NBA where you know, if someone's got to score twenty points on a team like even bad teams have twenty point scores is he just that kind of is that just what he is? Um, and I was kind of looking at the two thousand one USF football team, which was Markwell Blackwell's. Uh, he was quarterback. He's got the program record for attempts, and he attempted I think it was like four hundred and fifty six passes and then there were four other guys who also attempted passes that season uh so usf on a per play average in 2001 was averaging 75 plays a game usf this season averaging about 80 plays a game so it's not tear like even you know 22 years later it's still pretty pretty impressive uh marco blackwell yeah 456 attempts 2,800 yards, 20 touchdowns, um, and Huey Whitaker had 52 catches. Like He spread it around. Like Four guys had at least 25 receptions. Uh, it, they just spread the ball around. That's just kind of what they did. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, I guess what I'm getting at is, I guess if it's just in the, the, you know, the run of the offense, it's not too dissimilar to what, you know, the Bulls kind of ran in 2001, which was a pretty advanced offense for its day in 2001. Yeah, and I kind of go back and look at uh, Tennessee in 2021, their first year there. Uh, they had a receiver catch 64 for over 1,000 and 12 touchdowns, and then another guy catch 62 for 807, seven touchdowns. And then their third leading receiver had 21 receptions. That was Jalen Hyatt. So... I think it's somewhat built in a little bit, but you still got to go out and do it. So, right, and I think to to Sean's credit, I mean, you you heard Golish talk about it the entire year of how hard he worked, how much effort he was putting in. You know, he kind of mentioned if we if I had eleven Sean Atkins on offense, it'd be fantastic as far as ethic goes. And I'm I'm not sure what the snap breakdown is per play itself, but it seemed like. Up until this week, it was basically Sean Atkins in the slot and then some sort of combination of Choffrey Brown, Naeem Simmons, uh, Alexis, Weston Wolf. Like they were substituting basically every other ZY and tight end and then keeping Sean in the slot the entire time. I, I, I Golish kind of said it this week and during his press conference, like Sean's. The, the best thing that's happened to Sean is Naeem Simmons started to play slot receiver. So now Sean doesn't have to play 80 snaps on offense. They can substitute him out, get him a breather, get him a rest, uh, water, you know, get him something on a hot day like that. So I think it was more or less the product of, I mean, the dude was just always on the field. And for Byron Brown, he was always on the field. You knew the type of cadence he runs at. You knew he was going to be open on a crosser. You knew he was going to be, you know, working a post. Like it just, it came to be because of the volume that he was on the field. It felt like, which is a testament to how hard he works. So it's not like it's a negative thing. Uh, but I think once, you know, the, the, the talent level may increase so the, the gelling might happen a little bit more with some of the other receivers, you know, there might be more opportunity for someone else to, to start stepping up again. And I Simmons, Jane, Alexis, Chocolate Browns, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, 
I love it. I, Sean's legit. Like he's legitimately a really good wide receiver and it's no longer, you know, he's a walk-on like, no, he's <laughs> like, this, this is a full on division one wide receiver that could have probably made a big impact elsewhere too. Yeah. So Sean Atkins has played 82% of the snaps this season. Uh, next closest receiver is Naeem Simmons at 67 or almost 68%. So yeah, he, he's been able to see the field. I think cause you know, he's super consistent. A couple of drops last week, notwithstanding. He's been pretty consistent. I think he's probably consistent in understanding like where he needs to be as well. And that's why Byram trusts him so much because this offense is, you do have to read a little bit. He's also a really good route runner in terms of understanding uh, leverage and space. You'll see him. Sometimes you'll watch, if you just watch how he releases off the line at times, he'll get other guys open just because of the way he'll, I'll release outside a little bit, move the safety, and now the outside guy gets open on a post or like a deep slant. So um, I think he understands all this stuff. I have no clue how fast he is. Uh, I mean, we, we're pretty sure he's not very big, uh, but um, he understands how to play, and he's really understands leverage and is super dependable. And if you have guys like that, like Golish was kind of talking about you know, I think it was last week, just who, who's consistent, who can I depend on? Who's, who do I not have to worry about their effort? Who who can I kind of just, I know what I'm going to get from him. And I think he's probably a guy like that. That's, you know, got the skill. He's got the work ethic. You understand exactly what you're going to get from him every week. And, you know, that's all you want as a coach, a guy that can, a guy that can make the plays and a guy you can depend on. So. Uh, uh, I, Man, this is this is gonna be such a mean transition. I'm so sorry. Uh, someone you can no longer depend on, uh, Lloyd Summerall, no longer with the program. Um, Jesus, uh, Nate. Shout out to have, I know. Have I'm mercy. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, and you know I apologize for it up front. So I was like, with all due respect, you know, so I can say anything. <clears throat> no, them's the rules. Uh, uh, <clears throat> All joking aside, Lloyd Summerall no longer with the program. Uh, shout out to Live Oak uh, for noticing, picking that up on Monday. Uh, reached out to USF. Obviously, he's no longer with the program. Uh, very short and sweet um, from Golish on Tuesday's press conference. Yeah, he's no longer um, with the team at this point. He said at this point. Uh, I will say he said at yes. this point. Yeah. So that – then those uh, that little end of uh, his statement uh, may say a lot, may nay, may not, and just kind of what he wants to say. But saying at this point kind of gives at least a little bit of wiggle room. Um, and he just left it at that. So uh, a guy who two weeks ago at Memphis played 34 snaps and was with one of the top four defensive linemen, defensive edge rushers, uh, in snaps, I think he had 305 snaps on defense, and that's with missing a game um, and was still fourth uh, on the team in snaps or just thereabouts. Um, yeah, he was fourth of the defensive front guys in snaps, first at his position, that outside backer position, by uh, a decent margin. Uh, and that's even with factoring in the missed games. He's still got like 40 more snaps than DJ Harris. So almost like a full game fourth even with yeah. missing another game. So, or he's missed two games now. So, 
he had the lead, he was the leader at that position by a, a good good margin. And that position is one that Jason Vaughn got hurt. They moved Brian Norris over. You you see in pregame they got three guys warming up. <laughs> We're like, oh okay, this is everybody. And now he's gone. So now well, there's two. Is somebody getting elevated? I don't know. Yep. Uh, and with DJ Harris, you um, now slotting in, he got a lot more run. Jonathan Ross got a lot more run. Um, so we'll see what all that kind of shakes out. Um, but something to keep an eye on as we get toward the end of the season. And obviously, um, as we gear up toward the end of the season with the portal opening on December 4th, we are going to see a lot of guys between now and December 4th announce that they are portaling. Um, so just be mindful and ready for that. Uh, there's a lot of upperclassmen on this defensive side of the ball that um, even with eligibility left, there could be those. Uh, so what are you doing next year? Conversations coming up. Um, so, you know, the, the portal train never stops. It just slows down for a little bit. And the thing that I'm kind of surprised about is it's taken this long for someone to either leave, get booted, portal, um, from from this roster so far that you usually see, especially towards November, where your redshirtness is starting to be uh, questioned if you want to save it or not. Uh, you see guys start leaving uh, earlier and earlier, much like you see head coaches getting fired earlier and earlier. Uh, and man, uh, you know, Black Sunday comes for everybody, and uh, it certainly came for a lot of teams uh, this past weekend. But with that, I think we're going to wrap this one up. We've got a really cool interview lined up for the Ponderosa, so make sure you subscribe, like. Uh, we'll do the in-depth interview with uh, UTSA. Uh, we'll do some advanced stats. We'll also have the Black Boy Roundtable this week. Depending on when this releases, you may have already heard it or may not have. Make sure you like, subscribe, and all of the things that we need to do. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.